0: Equality of educational opportunity has long been a stated goal of education in this province.
1: The polka dot door, the polka dot door, let's peep through the polka dot door.
0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to Saturday Night at the Movies. My name is Elwi Yost.
2: Today's special, shout it loud and clear. Today's special.
0: What do you do when you are the chair and chief executive officer of a public broadcaster and you hear your organization might just be sold to a private owner? That was just one of the challenges Peter Herndorf faced during his time at TVO. He headed up the organization from 1992 to 99, part of which time Mike Harris was the premier of Ontario. Today on TVO at 50, we talk to Peter to discuss his time at the helm and how he managed to stave off that push towards privatization. Uh, you know what? I have to tell you how deeply impressed I am because I know that only a few years ago you were incapable of as much as sending an email, and here you are organizing your own Zoom feed, Peter. I'm amazed.
1: I have spent the last eight months or seven months on Zoom, so there you go.
0: <laughs> I'm very who, very. Who,
1: who would have thunk it?
0: Not me, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I remember ba- I remember back in the day when you were at the uh, National Arts Center, and, and I said, Peter, do you, do you actually know how to send an email? And you said, of course I know how to email. I just don't push the keys, and somebody else does it for me. But I know how to email.
1: <laughs> it, it was all true, and uh, it's amazing what independence requires you to do.
0: Because <laughs> I know you've got your own email account now, and you send emails. You're, you're, you've, you've come right into the 1990s now, Peter. Well done.
1: No, no, I'm in the 1980s, but I'm quickly (laughs) moving up.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. Let me officially introduce you here. Peter Herndorf was the chair and CEO of what was then called TV Ontario from 1992 to 1999. And Peter, I want to start with a story that, that I really don't know the answer to. And that is, you were the publisher of Toronto Life magazine for almost a decade before you came to TVO. And I don't know how you got to TVO. Did you seek them out or did they seek you out? Or what's the story there?
1: Well, it's it's a good story because in the in the early 1990s, I was, uh, as you say, I was closing in on a decade of being publisher of, of Toronto Life. I was enjoying the role. Uh, I imagined my career was going to play out in journalism and newspapers and magazines. and uh, And I'd essentially forgotten about the seventeen wonderful years at CBC. And, uh, and one day, serendipity moment, I got a phone call that the youthful Premier of Ontario, Bob Ray, wanted to have lunch with me. And uh, I had no idea what he might have wanted other than to complain about something Toronto Life had done. And, uh, and uh, we had lunch. And without a moment's hesitation, he said, I'd like you to become chairman and CEO of TV Ontario. Tell me yes. And, uh, and I spent the lunch arguing, arguing against that proposition. By the end of the lunch, uh, he had kind of reignited uh, my passion for broadcasting and, uh, and uh, the next day I called him and said, I'm in, what do I do?
0: No kidding. Well, I, I wonder, because you had, of course, had all those years at the CBC before Toronto Life, so I wondered whether a return to broadcast was at the foundation of your decision to come to TVO
1: it it wasn't actually it uh, as i say i had uh, i had uh, i had really thought that i would spend the rest of my uh, career working in working in print newspapers magazines and and uh, and it hadn't occurred to me when uh, he called me for lunch that it would be about tv ontario so hmm. uh he uh, he was very persuasive uh it was clearly something that was gnawing at me and i was uh, i was delighted to do it and so uh, I had to go through a, uh, I had to go through a, a, a fairly vigorous process with the opposition parties uh, in a in a committee before they approved my candidacy and, and uh, then I started.
0: Oh, is that right? You had to testify before a committee at Queens Park.
1: I, I testify before a committee, and it, it was actually good fun. It was lively, vigorous. The Tories were the Tories were quite tough on me, but it was good fun.
0: What were they tough on you about?
1: Oh, you know, real and imagined things.
0: <laughs> well, let's put it this way. When you got to TVO and you eventually took the reins of the place, it, it was educational television, but they tended to define education at that time much more narrowly and, if I can say, pedagogically. What did you see as your overarching mission then when you got to TVO?
1: Well, a little bit of context. Uh, The first is that the person that I succeeded was Bernie Ostry, uh, who uh, who ended his time at TV Ontario in a kind of a in a kind of a uh, peculiar scandal about television sets. And so the, the mood at TV Ontario was a, was very downbeat at that moment. It was- Hang on,
0: I, I gotta jump in because you're you're, um, you're being very generous in the way you describe this. Uh, the late Mr. Ostry got himself, he was also testifying before a committee at the legislature, and he got himself into some considerable hot water when he said he needed nine TV sets in his office because he needed to be bathed in programming, I think was his line. And he also had a car and a driver, which I think got some MPP's noses out of joint, and when they asked him why you need that, I think he said something like, what am I in the welfare business? So it was not a great appearance.
1: Uh, he, he did all of that. But anyway, the context is that TV Ontario was not a happy place uh, at that moment in, in the early 1990s. And the other thing as part of the context is that CBC television uh, was, uh, was moving further and further, I thought, away from being a traditional public broadcaster. So, I was trying to do two things. Uh, The first was to create TV Ontario, both TVO and TFO, as an alternative, uh, a real alternative uh, to the kind of commercial uh, broadcasters that were out there. So, TV Ontario as an alternative public broadcaster, uh, and to do that by focusing on four or five areas of programming, and they're familiar to you. That would be current affairs, particularly a daily show documentaries, it would be children's programming, the arts and science, none of which uh, either CTV, CBC or Global was doing a great deal of at that, that period of time. So that was the first thing, to to create this kind of real alternative to what was going on on the broadcasting spectrum. The second was to rejuvenate uh, TV Ontario and, and it really had to do with uh, providing a very clear sense of direction recruiting terrific people uh, and then getting them the resources to uh, let them do great work and it was a pretty simple uh, set of goals but that was what i spent my time on for the next seven years
0: well whenever there's a new leader who comes in there are people who hear the vision and jump on it right away and then of course there's the other side of the coin you get some pushback from people who think you're going in the wrong direction how much pushback did you get
1: i got a fair amount Uh, We uh, one of the things that I did is I took on a couple of occasions uh, anywhere from 75 to 100 staff members for retreats to uh, uh, to talk through all of these things. Um, I would think by the end of the first year uh, there was some grudging acceptance that uh, that this sense of direction made some sense, and then when some successes came along. the acceptance was much greater, and of well, course, you you represented one of the successes. So, uh,
0: well, I, I was at, you you took the words out of my mouth because I was just going to say one of the most questionable things you did was have a meeting with me not long after you took over, and we went into your office on the fifth floor of twenty one eighty Young Street in Midtown Toronto, and and I, I'm going to bet you probably don't remember what you said to me, but you you basically said here are three things you need to think about if you come to TVO. Any of this ring a bell? It does. And, do you remember and what it, the three things were? Uh,
1: I, you have actually you've actually told me a couple of times in the past. Uh, but what I was saying to you is that you would be able to do the kind of work at TV Ontario that the CBC would not let you do uh, at CBLT, and uh, and that turned out to be prophetic. Not many things I say turn out to be prophetic, but that one
0: was. (laughs) Well, you were absolutely right about my never regretting leaving CBC, and you were absolutely right about my getting a chance to do things at TVO that I would never have got to do at CBC. Uh, But you were wrong about my missing CBC. Uh, I I think I was at TVO for two days when I'd forgotten about it already, and I was looking (laughs) forward. So as Meatloaf would say, two out of three ain't bad.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, you take over the reins, and I'd like to know for starters, once you lay out the vision and people are you know buying into a, a variety of degrees, what do you think during your time there was the toughest call you had to make as the head of TV Ontario?
1: Oh, it's pretty straightforward. It really came on the day that the new government of Ontario, the Mike Harris government, indicated that they were considering uh, privatizing uh, the LCBO, hydro and, uh, and tv ontario and the question that i had to really really calculate was how do you respond to that how does a how does the ceo of a provincially owned educational network respond to that kind of request and and i felt so strongly that that in fact tv ontario as it was was a better deal for the government of ontario and for the people of ontario than some cockamamie privatization scheme that, uh, that I set out to do a number of things. One of which was to uh, quietly lobby the government to explain why I thought that, uh, uh, that uh, a variety of changes to TV Ontario uh, would lead to a happier outcome for them than privatization. That TV Ontario was a great value proposition for the government. But I also uh, made sure that I got the message out quietly, subtly, to those voices around the province uh, that felt strongly against privatization. And and as you know, over several years, uh, the process played out. Uh, Finally, uh, the government uh, decided to ask Sheldon Levy, the famous Sheldon Levy, who later became a great president of Ryerson, uh, to do a kind of listening, uh, listening mission around the province asking people whether TV Ontario should be uh, should be privatized and the message he got in every community across the province was simply leave your mitts off (laughs) Pokeroo. And And they ultimately did. And they did and and uh, and I think the people of Ontario spoke loudly clearly that uh, that it was a an asset that they greatly valued Uh, They wanted to continue it. And the further you got out of downtown Toronto, the greater the value attributed to TV Ontario. Uh,
0: I imagine you've talked to uh, our founder, Bill Davis, about this story, but Mr. Davis tells me that he had a meeting with Sheldon Levy before the whole process began, the whole listening tour began at his den in his home in Brampton. And he basically said, Sheldon, why don't we, you and I write this report right now. And, and I mean, we know where we want to end up with this thing. So let's just cut to the chase, get to the finish line and forget this whole listening tour.
1: Let's, let's just say that, uh, that the, the distinguished William Davis was a valuable ally in his process.
0: <laughs> that is you at your typically understated best. Okay, very good. <laughs> Now, one of the biggest decisions you made, if I may say, was the decision to get into a daily, live, five nights a week, current affairs program, which ended up being called Studio Two. And this was a big deal because, of course, TVO had never been in the daily current affairs game before. So two questions, really. Why did you want to go there? And were you at all concerned that the place would just not know how to do something that big?
1: Well, again, you have to go to context. The, the the situation that TV Ontario was facing at that moment was that uh, CBC Television uh, was doing a very good job covering uh, covering politics and public issues nationally. Uh, they were doing a an okay job locally, and they were doing not a job at all provincially. And uh, And uh, so the conclusion that uh, I reached along with a whole bunch of other people who kicked this around was that uh, that there was an enormous gap. The gap was all these people who were tremendously interested in uh, issues that had to do with the country's biggest province, most important province, arguably, uh, were not being covered by television. And uh, the natural place to do that was TV Ontario so we did it with studio two and we also did it with panorama uh on tfo uh panorama was on as you remember at uh, uh, an hour before at seven uh, at seven o'clock studio two was on at eight o'clock uh and in terms of uh people to do the job uh i thought that 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 on the craft side tv ontario had great skills and could handle every aspect of doing that kind of a daily show and on the editorial side uh we went out and recruited terrific people including yourself and doug grant and uh and a whole bunch of other people uh and uh, and tv ontario never looked back and and i should say that panorama in its own way was just as much of a success, had just the same kind of impact that Studio Two did. Uh, and particularly, if you if you remember the great issue about the French language hospital in Ottawa, Montfort. Oh yes. Uh, that story was a story that uh, that Panorama, Panorama covered probably for six months. And I think the kind of information it provided was a huge part of the decision to in fact leave for a French-language
0: hospital. Yeah, that was around the time, the mid to late um, 1990s, when the Mike Harris government wanted to, uh, I guess, rationalize the hospital system, close that some that them is, down, build some is. new ones. Yeah, And, and the, uh, the Francophone community in Eastern Ontario, I guess with the, with the assistance of Panorama, really went to bat to save that hospital, which was slated to be shut down. And they did save it, and it still exists today.
1: Uh, it it and it's it it continues to be something that uh, Franco Franco Ontarians talk about. They they argued uh, when I was at the National Arts Centre that that uh, that Panorama was a kind of was a kind of a kind of Tom Tom system for uh, the francophone community on issues like For. and in the same way that Studio Two became a kind of an area of must watch television for people all around this province. And, hmm. and the work you're doing today is still must watch television.
0: I want to talk about the other part of your job because I guess you, you, you have, there's sort of two parts to a, a chair and CEO's job. On the one hand, you've got, to, you've got to run the operation, right? You've got to make decisions about programming and hiring and resource allocation and all of that stuff. And then the other side of the job is really dealing with the politics of Queen's Park. And, of course, there was tons of that around privatization. But I imagine it wasn't limited to privatization either. Have you got a story you can share with us all these years later, all those cabinet ministers are gone, about some, you know, dust-up you had with the minister of education or a fight you had with the premier or some really good, juicy piece of gossip you can share now?
1: I'm afraid this is going to be Uh, (laughs) juicy-free. The the fact is that uh, I worked over that period of time, both with, uh, first with an NDP government, and then with a conservative government, uh, I found in the period before uh, before the privatization debate that uh, the relationship was a pretty comfortable one. They uh, they were uh, surprisingly happy about the way that things were going at TV Ontario. Uh, it wasn't front of mind, uh, but they liked what uh, what both TFO and TBO were doing. Uh, so during that period of time, it was a reasonably comfortable relationship. Uh, when the privatization debate started, it got a little more complicated, and at times it got a little more tense. But again, the, we go back to Bill Davis. Uh, there was an understanding throughout the process that, uh, that Bill Davis, while he was not taking a public role or an explicit role, Uh, it was clear that Bill Davis was in TV Ontario's corner and by implication in my corner.
0: And, uh, and it did make life easier. Just finally, then uh, with a, with a list of accomplishments, that's pretty, that's pretty significant uh, given how much time you spent there. When you look back, what do you look back at and say, yeah, I helped make that happen. And I'm kind of proud of that. Well,
1: I think three or four things. Uh, The first is simply the quality of the programming and the quality of the people at, uh, at at tv ontario i mean it was for a period that for that period of seven or eight years that i was there uh, terrific programming terrific people uh com- compared comfortably with the best anywhere else in the country and, and, and i was thrilled with that uh, secondly uh, the extraordinary impact of two areas of programming: uh, the daily current affairs programming and the children's programming. the The fact is that uh, that it's not just Pokeroo that has had that kind of impact, but uh, here I am 20 years later, and parents still thank me uh, about uh, what uh, what the children's programming at TVO and TFO meant for their families for their children it was it was it was it was creative it was safe so those two areas of programming and the impact they had uh the third would be the the incredible amount of support we had around the province uh normally with the public broadcaster you measure that in ratings but but in fact the tv ontario you measured it in quite different ways that we had support in every pocket of every corner of the province and you saw that with the sheldon levy tour uh when it was open house time uh 75 80,000 people uh came to downtown toronto to take part in open house so uh the the membership drives were incredibly uh significant in terms of all that so the the, the just the base of support and then the last thing in some ways uh the area. I use the same phrase from before. Where TV Ontario uh, punched above its weight, uh, beyond anything uh, I would think in in Canada, and that is the international impact. Uh, if you look at what we did with NHK, the public broadcaster in, in Japan, in in science program. Here was NHK, the biggest public broadcaster in the world, working with with TVO a smallish Ontario educational broadcaster taking science programming to every corner of the globe. Secondly, when we did the Yo-Yo Ma series, we co-produced the series inspired by Bach, we took that series to China. And so uh, that series was probably seen by hundreds of millions of people in China. Uh, And then uh, probably the the moments that, that touched me the most Uh, Going to New York for the international Emmys and seeing TVO, TFO, uh, winning international Emmys for great work up against the BBC, up against NHK, up against CBC, up against you name it. But uh, so the international impact of the little of the little network that could uh, was uh, was really very significant.
0: Well, I'm not going to pretend that I'm objective when it comes to interviewing you, because as I've told you many times, you know how I feel about you. And uh, if not for you, I have no clue what would have happened to my career. But I do know that you're bringing me to TVO. Uh, Changed my life, and I'll forever be grateful for that. So thank you, Peter Herndorf.
1: Uh, Steve, thank you. And thank you for everything you do for the people of Ontario.
0: Each week, we've been asking you to share your TVO memories with us. Here's one from Ken Ferguson.
2: Hi TVO, it's me Ken Ferguson calling in again. You may not recognize my voice since the last time I was on TVO was on TVO Kids with Patty and Kevin 28 years ago, back when hosts first graced the crawl space and I was still called Kenny. It was my first time ever being on air or rather my voice and I was in grade three. And that experience gave me my first taste of the world of television and the drive to audition for the role of Tiny Tim in my very rural school's play a few months later. You were hosting a contest where you could call in and leave an answering machine message of you singing the theme song to the kids' show, Grand. It was a beautiful little claymation show about the relationship between a boy and his grandma. I remember swallowing all my saliva, having the nerves build up in my body, and the blood rush to my head as I got ready to belt it out into the phone. I put on my best fake British accent, since it was a British show, and sung the song into the receiver just as I had practiced and memorized it. A couple of days later, unexpectedly, I got a call from my mom at work saying that I had won some contest and that I was one of 10 kids in the entire province of Ontario picked to sing on the air live. I was so excited and so ready to perform. When I called in again on the performance day, I got very interested in the behind the scenes work, the patching me in to be live on the air, being in the phone lines waiting room and the like. So there are people all behind the camera and TVO? And as soon as my mom and sister were watching our second TV in the living room so there wouldn't be feedback through the phone, I got ready for my debut. All of a sudden I was live. I could see my name at the bottom of the screen and watch Patty and Kevin's faces reacting to my voice as they talked to me through the TV, in our own kitchen. Then as Grand came on, I started to sing, but so did Patty and Kevin, completely drowning out my voice. Oh no, I thought, no one from school will hear me. It had actually been announced on my school's PA system in the morning announcements that I would be live on TVO. And I'd been telling all my classmates that I was going to be on TV that night. So now, not only was my school not going to hear it, the whole province of Ontario wouldn't either. All was not lost though. Even though the next day at school, some kids said they couldn't hear me at all on the air and some said they didn't watch at all, I was still congratulated by a few older kids and teachers alike. I ended up getting mailed a TVO Kids ball cap and a certificate with a picture of Patty and Kevin on it and their signatures. And I think I still have the hat at my parents' house. I did some acting in high school, but ultimately I turned down my passion to try for more quote unquote stable jobs. Then 22 years later from my debut on TVO Kids at 30, feeling like I was wasting my life in jobs I didn't fit. I decided that I would be an actor and stop denying what career path I really wanted to follow. Funnily enough, I was in an audition waiting room with Patty just last year, auditioning for the same commercial. And a flush of awe and being starstruck came over me from my inner child. Now, after working on lots of commercials, some movies, and TV shows, I have TVO to thank for being a spark in my young life and giving me a taste of the big city, back when I was only surrounded by cornfields and cows.
0: Thank you, Ken. That is really a very lovely memory. So nice to hear about the role TVO played in your life. What's your favorite TVO memory? We've only got a few episodes left, so if you'd like to be on the podcast, record yourself and email the audio to us using the address tvo at 50 at tvo.org. That's at and the numbers five, zero, at tvo.org. And we'll play these on future episodes. That's it for us. This episode of TVO at 50 was produced by Katie O'Connor and Matthew O'Mara. Editing by Donnie Swanson. Research help from Kate Petch and Carol Elder. Our production support coordinators are Jonathan Halliwell and Nikki Ashworth. Next time on the podcast.
1: I said, you know, what's happening? And then I realized we had to step in at the top and make a policy that everything had to talk to all the people and it had to show them were they fat, thin, brown, black, polka dot, whatever. Everybody had to be represented so Ontarians could realize, this is us.
0: I'm Steve Paikin. Bye bye.